1: So you wrote a really beautiful tribute to healthcare workers on Instagram, and you were honoring them as the front line, on the front lines, they are on the front lines of saving lives of patients who are suffering from, from COVID. And you summed up, Dr. Killen, what it was like having been an ER doc for so many years. And I'm just going to read this We talked about working 10-hour shifts and never stopping to go to the bathroom because somebody always needed you more than your bladder did. (laughs) Vomiting covertly in between intubations while you were pregnant with your twins. Getting cursed at, lunged at, and threatened all before your morning coffee. And then getting spit on, coughed on, peed on, bled on, and just generally shit upon without batting an eye. And it made me wonder why you would want to leave all of that.
2: <laughs> That's true. But there are so many good moments too. But yeah, I mean, the healthcare workers, like the people who are in it, they work so hard and, and people, it's not even just working hard. It's it's all of those things. They get disrespected. They get, they get, you know, they like body fluids. Like it's just, it's a hard job. And I think that, you know, one thing that I feel like has happened in the last number of years, maybe it's social media, maybe it's not, is that I think that people have started questioning healthcare workers and doctors and things more. And, you know, and they they feel like sometimes they know more than the doctors do. But I, I just want to reassure people that the people in the hospitals, the ones who are doing this every day, they they know a ton and they're they're giving it their all every day. So
1: you mentioned how, I guess, you were a young parent, at the time that you decided and your husband had moved to California that it was time to check out of the ER world. What was it that inspired you about the regenerative anti-aging field?
2: So at the time, the regenerative part wasn't really part of it at the time, but I I was seeing a lot of patients that would come to the emergency department with these chronic medical problems, you know, their diabetes out of control, their thyroid out of control, they're overweight, they're tired, like just things that had been going on for a long time, things that I couldn't fix in the five minutes I had with them. And then I became seeing I saw a lot of those same kind of symptoms in myself, just like tired all the time, not sleeping, stressed out, like, you know, not leading a healthy life. And I I started realizing that in order to help my patients and help myself, I needed to sort of learn a new set of tools and tricks and learn really how to be healthy because that's not something you actually learn much of in medical school. You learn a lot on how to treat diseases and problems, but you don't actually spend a lot of time on how to prevent all of those things from happening. So I became interested in that idea and this idea of longevity and the fact that we actually are living longer and we can live better and, and be healthier longer. And then as I was doing that and kind of open to practice doing some bioidentical hormones and some integrative medicine. I learned about regenerative medicine, which at the time was pretty early, you know, early days. This is seven or eight years ago, and I I like the idea of having your body heal itself. So it was kind of a progression, but started just with my own frustration with myself and with our medical system and, and its its inability to solve that chronic problem.
1: I'm a hundred percent with you. So you went from the
2: ER into more integrative medicine. Is that what you did? Yeah, exactly. So the practice I had... So I, for, I spent about two years while I was... This is when my kids were so little. I was still working in the ER full-time. My husband was still gone. But I decided that in my downtime, <laughs> which I didn't really have downtime, but I had to kind of create downtime, that I would start learning about this sort of integrative medicine or, or functional medicine or anti... It's, it's There's like 15 names for the same thing, but essentially like preventing the problem before it starts. So I, I went through a fellowship program, mostly online, occasionally in person, in my downtime while I was still working in the ER. And then eventually, I just I was able to leave the ER and move into that full time.
1: Fantastic. So I have two final time for coffee questions. Could you share a time in your professional life when you struggled? It certainly sounds like that must have been a big struggle. But in particular, maybe you failed at something. Uh. Maybe you didn't. I'm not I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the most important thing is how you kind of got through that difficult period and if there was a lesson that you learned in the process. And the reason that I ask people this question, Dr. Killen, is that I want our young viewers and our young listeners to know that even people like you who are super successful, who've had by all accounts, an amazing professional life, had really difficult times. And certainly it was very challenging, no doubt, when you were doing your online fellowship and and studying in between being an ER doc with three children under the age of two. But nevertheless, we all have these tough times in our life and you can get through them.
2: Yeah. I have so many that I tried to pick my my top one. One thing that comes to mind that I think is that I haven't talked about before. I don't think on on a podcast is when I was pregnant with my twins. I was still working, you know, I was still working full time. And towards the end of that, I had to cut back a little bit. Like I was starting to get a lot of contractions. You know, I was like enormous, and I was starting to get little contractions and things, and had to cut my hours a little bit. I would still come to my shift, but not do the whole shift. Maybe. And a lot of my I had mostly male colleagues, and a lot of my colleagues would would say things that, you know, in retrospect, <laughs> were maybe inappropriate talking about how, I don't know why you're having to, to cut back on your hours. You know, the women in Guatemala, they'll work in the fields all day and they're pregnant and then they'll deliver their baby and be back the next day. Like what's going on? Or like I heard one male colleague say something kind of through another person of you know, I don't know why we hire women because all they're doing, all they do is get pregnant and they have to be out for two months and we have to pick up the slack. And so, <laughs> and there are some of these things were just said as jokes, you know, like they're hilarious jokes. But at the same time, I was feeling very inadequate because I couldn't work an entire shift. And I realized that I was having to have my mostly male colleagues pick up the slack. And that was for me as like this perfectionist, my whole life was really difficult. And then I would hear these things from these, these people. And I just felt like I was kind of a failure. Like I just felt like I was doing a bad job and it was getting worse because I was getting more pregnant. <laughs> and so that continued for, for several months. I eventually had to, had to quit working a little early to have the babies. And I got back to work and I was, I was pretty down for a little while, you know, just kind of on the whole thing. But what I did was when, when I had my, when, once I was back on my feet, which again, took some time, but once I was back on my feet and I was working back full time and I was, you know, doing a great job and I'm juggling all these things. We had a, a meeting and, you know, it was like an annual review kind of thing. And it was like my boss and his boss and his boss. And it was like a whole group of people, most all oh men and me. And they, they were like, Oh, you're doing a great job. You know, love it, whatever. Do you have anything for us? And I said, I do. I want to tell you that the way that you guys are treating women and especially pregnant women in this group is atrocious and you're going to lose out on a lot of good female applicants because you actually are, are, are living in like the 1950s, the way that you think about women. And I said something to the effect of like, you guys all have wives and you all have kids. So why is it okay for you to come to work and have good jobs and have kids, but it's not okay for me to come to work and have a good job and have kids. And I just kind of went off like everything that I had had hold up in me for like a year. I just let it all out. And at the, at the end of it all they, they seemed appreciative. And then they put me in charge of like some sort of women empowerment part of the company or something. But the point being, it was it was really hard for me. I'm kind of get like still kind of emotional thinking about it. But it was it ended up OK in the end.
1: That took a lot of courage on your part to speak truth to power like that.
2: Yeah. I was just fed up though. And I'd seen it at that time. I was strong enough, you know, by the time I was strong enough, it was okay, it would have been really good if I had spoken it when I was not strong enough, like when I was going through it, but I wasn't quite ready at that point to do it.
0: Thanks for tuning into this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. we